This call is being recorded. Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, Alana Davidson from Moab, Utah, who is the author of Finding Your Own Happy, The Soul Searcher's Guide to Peace and Happiness in Everyday Life. What a title, I love it. Are you out there, Alana? Yes, I'm here, here with great. you. Great, great, glad to have you back. <laughs> we can yes, say that Yes, great now. to be here. <laughs> Uh, I was looking at the the information that interested me, um, and what I thought I would get you to do would be to uh, maybe talk some a little bit about what it's like being a happiness coach. Sure. Well, a lot of people struggle with being happy, and particularly the folks that I work with have had chronic challenges with feeling happy, with feeling like they belong here, with wondering what is wrong with them because they've tried so many different things and they still struggle. And what's beautiful for me is that because I've been through that journey myself and spent so many years of my own life, wondering what was wrong with me and why couldn't I be happier, that when I get to talk with these people, I can very quickly connect in with the, the key pieces that have been affecting them for so long and then find, hone in and find exactly the pieces that need to shift to create more happiness in their lives. So it's a really beautiful journey of connecting with people that are often carrying pain from all the way from their childhood that they've never gotten acknowledged for or never been able to adequately address. And I've had calls, I've had sometimes people I have just one session with or just one call with, and they say they got more value out, about, out of that one conversation than they did in years of therapy. So it's really very satisfying work to me to watch people be able to let go of some of the pain and hurt that they've carried often since they were little children. Well, it sounds like a, uh, uh, you know, things, I guess an old saying is things are supposed to come home to roost. Um, but in this roosting, it's, a, it's, a, it's sometimes it's, it's overwhelming. Um, right. Well, for, one of the things that happens for people, especially people who have had pains and hurts from their childhood or trauma even is one of the things I talk about in my book, Finding Your Own Happy, is whether or not you've been allowed to have an emotionally appropriate response to what happened to you. So let's say somebody in your family died when you were little and you never had a chance to grieve because for whatever reason your family couldn't, didn't have space for you to have those emotions. So you just kind of stuff that like maybe your parent died and it was too much for the other parent and so you couldn't ever grieve and so part of what happens when I get on the phone with people is that we're 
looking at those places of where are the emotions that you never got to process and never got to have and the incredible relief and freedom that comes when you're finally allowed to be acknowledged for those feelings and not feel like you're wrong for them. So to say, wow, yeah, that was really hard that your mom died and and that little four-year-old is still really sad about it and it's okay to be sad. And it seems so simple and yet so many of us have learned how to stuff our feelings about certain things and then have never processed them our whole lives. Um, and so that's some of the magic and the relief that can happen when you finally allow yourself to see things for what they are and have an emotionally appropriate response. It's like it frees up your whole energy to be able to have other kinds of feelings and other kinds of experiences. You know, about a year ago, uh, the VA diagnosed me having PTSD. Mm -hmm. And um, I... um, it wasn't it wasn't Vietnam uh, that that caused it. It was the experience I was going through um, with what I've written in my book, Embracing the Abyss. Mm-hmm. And and in that in that process, I, I I kept saying to myself, you know, I have a psychologist that I see from time to time. And he said, you need to begin focusing back on what you told me. And it's actually the introduction introduction chapter or the foreword in my book. It's called The Boy. And um, I was three or four years old. My, my parents uh, left me at my grandparents because they wanted a short vacation. And when I woke up, they weren't there. They didn't say anything to me about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was hysterical for two days. Yep. And uh, when they came back, um, it was, um, anyway, I mean, when I readdressed that, and I need to readdress it in a better better way, um, because it still still grabs me sometimes. You can't, exactly, can't and those, that's exactly those examples of the things. So many, many people experience, you know, trauma that is easily recognized in our culture as trauma in childhood. And then there are things just like the story that you told me that, Maybe, maybe otherwise you had a pretty good childhood, but for that little child, that was severely traumatizing. And so then that, that pain often gets lodged in our subconscious. And so anytime something that is similar or familiar in some way comes into our lives, our subconscious is activated and triggered. And then we have these automatic responses and most of the time we don't even recognize where they're coming from right you might have forgotten that memory entirely let's just say and then but every time certain things happen you get really upset or you freak out or you don't quite understand your response but it feels really big that's because the subconscious is reacting in memory to those kinds of things and so yes that that part of yourself, that subconscious part of yourself needs some support to work that out and resolve that and to put a different story or a different pattern in place so it doesn't go back to that automatic sort of trigger and response in certain situations, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, 
but then I seem to want to, I don't, uh, involuntarily, unknowingly, I seem to want to uh, um, relive it. Um, I wanted to, to, well, I was just looking at it. It's the prologue of my book. And mm -hmm. the last sentence in the prologue says that upon leaving his grandparents' house, the boy began a long journey a life sentence of figuring out what what he had done wrong that had caused his parents to leave him behind. Yes. Mm. That is so, it's interesting that you bring that up because that comes up so often. Little children, anything that happens when you're a little child. So you need your parents to be godlike, essentially, especially when you're very young. You can't fathom that your parents would do anything wrong because you depend on them for your survival. And if they were to do something wrong, that would be life-threatening. It's much easier for the little child to think that they are wrong because then they have some power over it. They can control it. They can fix it. They can do something about it. Mm -hmm. And so that fits so well with what I hear over and over again is like, this tendency for the little child to blame themselves, to take on the problem as something being wrong with them, and then trying to fix what's wrong with them when there was actually nothing wrong in the first place. But it's a, it's a survival mechanism, essentially. But then that... we have to learn how to, how to rewrite that story, so to speak, right? Because that script will, can run our whole lives. Right. Or... Um... Well, I find myself, uh, in a sense, over the years, at reinventing something that was related to that. Mm -hmm. um, it's um, it, it's got a lot. It's it's got a lot of arms, I guess I should say. Yeah, yeah. A lot. Yeah. I um, that, that that brings to mind what we were talking about um, as uh, empathy, being an empath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to say that that experience, uh, I, I can I can tell when people are sad um, or mad, and I'm not talking about those that throw things. You know they're mad if they start throwing things. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but the people uh, that don't have obvious behavioral displays about yes. their feelings, yes. that you can still sense them and feel them. Yes, and I and I that I tune in on that, or, or I can tune in on that. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's interesting that you bring that up in light of what we're talking about of having to do with childhood trauma, because my theory, and not everybody who's empathic agrees with me, but I think that part of what makes people really sensitive to the energy and the feelings and what is going on with other people is growing up in an environment where they had to be a little bit on high alert or didn't feel super safe. If you don't know how someone's going to respond to you, then you're going to become super aware of their energy, of what's going on in their world, so that you can track it and be able to predict to some degree what's what's coming and so that you can at least be prepared for it and maybe protect or defend yourself in some way 
And again, I also talk about that in Finding Your Own Happy, how that experience of trauma often, maybe we were already sensitive people, but it can heighten that awareness of what's going on with everybody else all the time. Yes, and uh, I was looking here at, uh, in, in Finding Your Own Happy, Mm-hmm. Uh, it serves as an in-depth guide for the conscious soul searcher who wonders why, after so much work on themselves, they still aren't that happy. Yes, absolutely. Well, that ties right back into being empathic. So one of the things that um, was true for me, and I see true for a lot of people who are struggling, you know, they've done a lot of personal development or they've gone to therapy a lot of those people are actually empathic, but they haven't learned to differentiate between what is their feeling and what is other people's feelings, or that they don't even realize that's part of what is happening for them. And so, for example, if you are empathic and you're feeling what's going on for another person, So let's say I get around a certain person and I start to feel sad. Maybe I just thought it was me and my sadness. Now, if I take that sadness and I go to talk to a therapist and try to get help for why I'm feeling sad all the time or whatever my feelings are that I can't quite sort out, most psychologists and therapists are going to assume that those are my feelings and my experience. And then they're going to go looking for you know, maybe, for example, the childhood uh, issue that created it, so forth, so on. The problem with that, if you're empathic, is that you're not going to find it. And as soon as you get around somebody else who has an intense emotion that you also feel, you're going to go back to feeling that way. And so what I write in my book is you can't fix, solve, heal, or resolve something that didn't belong to you in the first place. So if it's not your sadness, the only thing that you can really do is to acknowledge it and separate your own self from that other person's feeling and give it back to them. And there's a whole bunch of tools in the book that talk about how to differentiate between what is your feeling and what is someone else's feeling and then what to do with it when those, because sometimes it can be very intense when those intense feelings show up. How do you work with them? What do you do with them? Like for example, and this is also in Finding Your Unhappy, but I was walking through the woods, and uh, all of a sudden, like just out of the blue, I started feeling really stressed. And I was saying, hmm, what is this? Like, how come I'm so stressed out right now? Like, I'm walking through the woods. And then I, I started to ask questions. That's one of the tools I talk about is ask questions. Like, what is... What's really going on here? What? And I got a sense that it had to do with a friend. And so I texted him and I asked him, are you feeling stressed right now? And he said, yes. And we had a little conversation. And then my stress completely disappeared and I was fine. So that is the power of recognizing what is really just empathic awareness versus what's your stuff. And if you don't know the difference, then... You're just going to keep taking it on no matter how much personal development, how much therapy, how much work on yourself you do. 
there's always going to be more because there's always more unhappy people in the world. And if you don't know that that's what you're doing, then you're just going to keep absorbing it and feeling it. I remember um, going to therapy after my wife, my first wife and I uh, tried uh, marriage counseling. And I decided to continue on my own after that. And my, uh, my psychologist at that time would, would tell me that you can, back, you can back up as far as you want and you can back up and get ready to, to run as fast as you can, but you're not going to break through that brick wall. You're not going to do it. Don't think it's because you muster up enough energy and enough anger and enough uh, sorrow, you're going to break through that wall doesn't work that way and in the beginning i didn't understand that and it took me a while to, to, to understand it so i'm i'm certainly a a veteran of that i guess i, I could say um i'm looking here at um some of your some statements you wrote the book for your fellow soul searchers elaborate a little bit for us on that well, again, that's the, the person that is feeling like maybe they feel very different than the people around them. They have struggled to fit into this world or feel like they get it. And they've been searching for, like, what is it going to take to really feel happy, to feel like I belong, to feel like I can make my life work the way that I want it to. And so the soul searcher is, like, the one that's always looking for, like, how do I figure this out? Like, what's really going on here? Like, I know, like, it seems like other people maybe have it figured out a little better than I do. Like, what am I missing, basically? And because that's certainly a piece of my journey. And I definitely saw so many others who were, like, kind of going, like, I don't really get this either. And what is it that I'm missing? And so one of those pieces is that piece about being empathic and not realizing it. Um, but to, to, to move from that place, and you brought it up in the beginning, move from that place of like, what's wrong with me? To understanding, actually, there's probably nothing wrong with you. You just don't understand some things about yourself that if you understood them differently, would give you a totally different perspective and a, a totally different way of being in the world that would be much easier, much more peaceful, and much happier. I like it when you discussed here the um, uh, the number one thing that that keeps you from happiness, and of course that's um, I guess being empathetic, actually, and not knowing what to do with it. I would say um, for the for the people that I work with, and for the people who are chronically struggling with this question and feeling like, "Wow, I've tried so many things and nothing is working," there's a very good chance that a lot of what you're experiencing and feeling is actually mm -hmm. not yours. Um, mm -hmm. And that is, is what I see is number one reason why people don't get results when they've gone mm -hmm. to therapy and done all these other things. And you have a, a very short sentence here in this paragraph. It says, it's just awareness. Yes, yes. <clears throat> so being, so all of those feelings, all of those things that are showing up for you as an empath, it's like, you are just aware. You are aware of what is going on around you. You are aware of the feelings of other people. You are aware of 
a lot of so a lot of empaths are just aware of a lot of things that the maybe majority of of society or like the sort of if it's a bell curve the people in the middle of the bell curve just don't perceive you perceive things that other people don't perceive and then to know what to do with okay I'm just really aware I'm just really aware that my mom is having a hard time. I literally can feel her from 2,000 miles away and pick up the phone and call her and say, Mom, what's up? And she'll tell me, yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's something up. Um, and I, uh, it took me a long time to know that. I just thought, like, why am I feeling so funky so much of the time? I wake up and I feel like, ugh. And once I learned the tools of how to figure out what was really going on, I was like, oh, this is my mom. Let me check in with her and find out if I'm accurate here. And sure enough, more times than not, she has confirmed exactly. I'm like, good. I'm not. I'm not right. just going crazy. This is really a thing. Mm-hmm. About ten years ago, when I was uh, beginning to work on on my book, uh, embracing the abyss, um, I uh, had this thought about you know consciousness and where it goes and how you how, how it comes, what comes from that type of thing. And I, I, it prompted me to go to go to GoDaddy, and I, and I bought a domain. And this is now ten years ago. I've still got it. Haven't done anything with it yet. Mm-hmm. It, it's called HavingAwareness.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of these days, I'm going to make it come true. Yeah, and as a domain, I love the concept. I love the concept of awareness. It's just about paying attention and being aware and most of us whether you're empathic or not are aware of a lot of things that oftentimes we don't pay attention to or discredit or sort of tune out as not relevant and yet if we start to pay more attention so for example those like that subtle misgiving that you have about something or a hunch you have about something else, the more you start to pay attention to that, the more aware you become. Like, I ask people, do you ever have that feeling of, like, kicking yourself because you knew something, and mm-hmm. then you didn't pay attention to it, and then sure enough, you're like, oh, man. And so that's, that's awareness, right? That awareness was trying to get your attention to say, mm, this is not going to be good, or whatever it was. And then the kicking yourself part is you discredited what you were aware of and didn't acknowledge it, didn't pay attention to it. And then, okay, here comes the confirmation or the proof of what you were aware of. And now you're going like, oh, gosh, I should have paid attention. I decided at some point in my life I was going to really start to pay attention to all of those things because I got tired of getting to that place of like, oh, I mm-hmm. should, I knew better. I should have, you know, I should have paid attention. Um, mm-hmm. So. We all have it, and we all can learn how to develop our awareness to a greater degree. And that is also a chapter in Finding Your Own Happy, is talking about how to pay attention to those hunches, listen to them, mm-hmm. get some validation. Like I was saying, I call my mom sure. and, and get validation that what I was perceiving was accurate. Um, or even sometimes you call somebody and they say, no, that's not at all it. That's information, too, and that's helping you hone and refine it's sort of like if you look at a painting from far away 
it's just like a whole bunch of blur of color. But the closer you get, the more detail you can you can see and the more focused it becomes. And I think of awareness as similar, like the more you pay attention to what you're aware of, the more that you can it's senses, it's feelings, it's it's the thoughts that pop into your head, the more you can start to distinguish and differentiate. So for me, I'm at the point where I feel something and I have a sense often of what what person in my life it's connected to because I've mm-hmm. I've gotten that level of focus. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Alana, yes. please uh, please tell our listeners how to find you. I yes. see you've got a long well, list here. You got a, you got a, a whole lot of social media here. That's good. Yes, the two so let's say the two best places are come if you're a Facebook user, come join my Facebook group. I have an active free Facebook group where we talk about all this kind of stuff. It's the group is titled the famous book Finding Your Unhappy. So just go to Facebook and search Finding Your Unhappy and um, ask to join my group, and then you can be part of our community. And then the other thing is I like to share my book. I share free PDF copies of my book for anybody who would like a copy. And you just go to findingyourownhappybook.com, and you can download a free PDF version. Or if you want to purchase it, it's available wherever you like to buy your books. But those are the, those are the two best ways to, to be connected with me. Those are good. Those are good. I yeah. want to thank you for uh, uh, for joining us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yes, indeed. And, thank uh, you so much. Oh, I'm glad to have you. I really am. And uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Searching for Integrity. So long and happy trails to all.